Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Happy Thursday and welcome to Thursday, not Sam Thursday. Not just on any Thursday, Turkey Thursday, here in the United States of America. It is Thanksgiving Thursday. And I tell you, based on uh, anybody that knows their history, it's a very high-pressure time to do a wrestling podcast. Historically speaking, Thanksgiving is some of the big... Like, it used to be back in the day, Thanksgiving night, Christmas night, those were big days for wrestling shows. Like, territories would run wrestling shows. Even WWE would run Survivor Series for a period of time on Thanksgiving night. It was that theory that... You know, everybody was off work. Everybody was exhausted of seeing their family by the time the evening rolled around, right? If it's Christmas, you've already opened all your presents by the afternoon. If it's Thanksgiving, you're having Thanksgiving dinner early. So, so once 7, 8 o'clock rolls around, what are you doing? Well, you got to head on down to the local arena and see the wrestling show, right? So now I feel like uh, more and more in the last, I don't know, Five years or so, maybe. Thanksgiving is probably more than that. Maybe 10, maybe not 10 years. But in the past several years, we'll say, Thanksgiving has become a time when wrestling podcasts drop. It started with, you know, the famous Colt Cabana CM Punk podcast dropping on Thanksgiving and and so on and so forth. There's always something noteworthy happening. So there's a lot of pressure on yours truly, the last professional broadcaster. But we'll find a way to get through it. We're coming off of, of course, the Luke Hawks interview that was on Monday while you guys are off work if you're in the States. If you're not in the States and I'm sitting here talking about Thanksgiving and people being off work and all this stuff and you're just getting upset, come to the US of A, baby. It's great. We get days off that you don't get. It's fantastic. Uh, But Luke Hawks was the podcast on Monday, so if you do have some time and you haven't listened to that because maybe you don't know who he is, he's not as big of a name as, you know, Roman Reigns or whoever... Take the opportunity, give yourself a moment to sit down and listen to that podcast. Trust me when I tell you, you will love it. There are people telling me it's their favorite interview of the year. He's just got a great wrestling story. And I mean, it is that podcast is just a podcast. There's a a few podcasts this year that I've done that are just for real, straight up wrestling fans not to get the dirt sheets buzzing, not to get a, a you know the the big name mainstream clicks just for wrestling fans to have quality content and a great story to listen to. And Luke Hawks fits into that category. So make sure you download that podcast. It will be up uh, on YouTube eventually, the interview, because he was here in the Not Sam studio. Make sure you're all subscribed to the new YouTube channel. It's officially youtube.com slash Not Sam Wrestling. All wrestling interviews, this podcast every week, 
as well as all of the interview videos from this podcast and special moments from uh, Thursday, not Sam Thursday, and from the state of wrestling. All those videos will go up at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. So if you're subscribed to the Not Sam YouTube channel, stay subscribed to that. There's still going to be plenty of content going up on that channel. But the wrestling content is going up on youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. And uh, how about this? For Thanksgiving starting today, of course, this podcast will go up for the foreseeable every day. A new video will be released at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. So subscribe right now every single day, and we'll set up premieres for them and everything. New content will be popping up at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. Content king, baby. I am the content king. Speaking of being the content king, I cannot believe. I am flabbergasted. That in this day and age, as we start to draw a close to 2019, uh, right around Thanksgiving of all times, I cannot believe that people are still booing me or uh, uh, taking massive dumps on me on the internet based on my takes on the kickoff shows. Because let me tell you something, I'm literally right every time. I mean, think about it. I had the weekend of a lifetime. I was hosting uh, the NXT TakeOver War Games pre-show on Saturday uh, with Pat McAfee and Charlie Caruso. On Sunday, I was part of the Survivor Series kickoff show at ringside right along with JBL. And think about the stuff that I was criticized for, okay? The first thing that I was criticized for, I loved having the mics on for the arena for the NXT TakeOver War Games pre-show. Because I got an instantaneous reaction. What did I get an instantaneous reaction for? What did people boo me for? What did people tweet about the fact that I should never be on WWE TV? First take. Matt Riddle will not beat Finn Balor. He uh, came into NXT as all potential and is still simply potential. He has accomplished nothing since coming to NXT. He lost to Finn Balor. I was right. Next take. Dakota Kai, talk about a terrible pick. Her own teammate didn't even bring her to SmackDown. What happens? Mere hours later, Dakota Kai, not even an hour, probably less than 60 minutes later, Dakota Kai heard me, remembered, oh yeah, Tegan Knox didn't bring me to SmackDown. Oh yeah, when the team was first formed and Rhea Ripley was like, hey Dakota Kai, hit the bricks. Tegan Knox was just sitting there looking at me going, you heard the lady, and allowed me to go. She's a terrible partner. Sam was right. Let me turn on her and let me steal that knee brace right off her, her, her gangly leg. That's what Dakota Kai said anyway. So I'm right across the board with TakeOver. Dakota Kai did the 100% the right thing. The first Invasion show, when most of the SmackDown roster was stuck overseas, and, you know, all these NXT superstars showed up to really make an impact. The tag team that we saw was Tegan Knox and Rhea Ripley. Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai literally were such a tag team. They had a name. They were Team Kick. They were just on NXT TV two days before that. But still, Tegan Knox picks Rhea Ripley. That's insulting. So Dakota Kai heard me. She said, you know what? At this point, I am a bottom-of-the-barrel pick. I put myself in that position. Let me take myself out of that position. So, boom, I was right there. 
Then you turn around and people are all over me because I went on a Survivor Series kickoff show. And what did I say? Shayna Baszler is not going to get beat. She's better than Becky Lynch and Bayley. NXT's women division, women's division right now is the best it's ever been. That means Shayna Baszler being the best woman in the NXT women's division, she's the champion, is better than Becky and Bayley because Becky and Bayley were both in a women's division that was inferior to the women's division that Shayna Baszler is the champion of. So I said they're not going to beat her. And what happens? They didn't beat her. Shayna Baszler won that match. I was right again. Then I get all kinds of crap because I go, you know, Raw's in a lot of trouble because who knows where Kevin Owens' loyalty lies and Seth Rollins is a terrible leader. He's the worst team captain out there. And the fans are giving him that reaction every time he walks out. And boom, what happens? Team Raw loses, and Seth Rollins shows up on Raw the next night, and he's a terrible person. I was right again. Literally every take I had on these kickoff shows, I was right. But somehow, I'm an evil man. Get a life. Get bent, will ya? I even got a reference to calling myself Scoops Roberts. Okay? Scoops Roberts was there. He was in effect. And I was right again. What can I tell you? You can be mad about it all you want. But you can't deny the facts, can you? Um, speaking of Seth Rollins, you know, uh, it was nice to see. I thought Raw in general this week, a lot of stuff. It was nice to see some movement, you know? I thought that the this, the movement of the Seth Rollins character was exactly what it should be. You know, he's that. We've talked about it before, but great villains don't consider themselves villains. Great villains are are fighting for what they think. They think they're the heroes. You know, they're not trying to uh, break the rules. They're not trying to destroy anything. They're, 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 their motive for what they're doing is, in their opinion, justified. Seth Rollins, as of Raw, still considered himself the locker room leader and had to tell the rest of the roster that they sucked. Now to the rest of the roster, Seth Rollins comes off like a tool bag, like a jerk. I believe it was on this podcast that I said, CM Punk is wrong when he says Seth Rollins shouldn't tweet. We should see the Seth Rollins that we see on Twitter on TV, not the other way around. We shouldn't see more of the Seth Rollins that we see on Raw. We should see more of the Seth Rollins that we see on Twitter. I said that. And that's what we're seeing. I'm very, very happy about it. I think it's a really good decision that that, that Seth Rollins, that sort of uh, defensive, cocky, competitive, slightly douchey, Seth Rollins is the one that we're seeing on TV now, and he's there to tell people that they suck when they suck. I think that's great. So I thought that was good. I actually uh, appreciated the movement in the Lana Rusev storyline and Rusev kind of losing his mind and beating the crap out of uh, 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 Lashley. You know, I thought that was good. There's something about knocking over the set on Monday Night Raw that is going to get people every time. It gets me every time. Rusev kicking over that pillar or that cylinder or whatever it is just made the whole segment for me. And you could hear the crowd. You could hear the crowd losing their minds when he did it. That's what made it work. Just that one little additional kick and that that metal tower thing tumbles over. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is serious. I thought it was awesome. I thought that was great. Um, 
And I thought it was funny that it, it really goes to show how little details can change everything. That, that it's, it's usually, usually, the problem doesn't lie within the concept. Usually, the problem lies within the execution of the concept. Most concepts you can make work to some degree. The execution can be tricky sometimes. And I think the execution in a lot of the Rusev, Lana, Lashley story segments has been poor leading to this one. But I think the execution in this week's segment where Rusev knocked over the tower was good. I thought it was good execution. And Lana coming out and saying, you know, he's a he's a menace to society. He's a danger to everybody. You know, I'm 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 I guess I'm interested in seeing where it's going. It's got to go somewhere, right? TLC's coming up. It seems like a pay-per-view like TLC would be a good place to have a grudge match between Rusev and Lashley. The only problem is all the pay-per-views are dual branded now. So a lot of times you don't end up getting those grudge matches. A lot of times you end up getting, you know, because of all the title matches, because of all the stars you have, you wonder if they're just going to keep pushing off Rusev and Lashley and pushing off Rusev and Lashley. Part of me was a little bit scared that uh, that they were just going to do the match on Raw this week and cut their losses because at this point, we got to see it through. You've made us suffer long enough. It's been two months of this. You have to see it through. I want to know where it's going now for better or worse. And I can make my prediction of which of those two it'll be. Uh, Matt Hardy coming back and uh, doing the J-O-B to Buddy Murphy. I think it's uh, I think it's good on all counts. I think it, uh, you know, Matt Hardy was trending. Everybody was talking about the fact that he came back. I think it's good for Buddy Murphy because he beat somebody with credibility. I think it's ultimately good for Matt Hardy because it's like, okay, where does Matt Hardy go after a loss like that? Um I was happy. I, I think you know Ray losing at Survivor Series, finally having this high-profile rivalry. It has paid off. I think that it's a good thing that that Ray Mysterio is the United States Champion because it's like you have this high-profile rivalry with Brock Lesnar and your son, and like let's be honest, Brock Lesnar has now beaten up. Rey Mysterio and his son and his son's godfather, who happens to be Cain Velasquez. He beat Cain Velasquez in a minute. You know, he beat Rey Mysterio and his son at the same time. That story is over. So you you kind of have to take Rey right now. That the spotlight is on him. And let, let him shine. You know, now that the spotlight is on Rey, if you don't take advantage of that, you run the risk of, you know, all that being for nothing. And at the end of the day, Ray looks worse. I think Ray actually looks better for the whole story with Brock Lesnar. And now that he's the United States champion, I think that they're really, they're utilizing Ray Mysterio. Um, what I liked about the Seth Rollins segment too, if we could get back to that for a second, besides the fact that, uh, that, you know, he was showing more of the personality that I think, is realistic to how the audience is responding to him. I liked that it showed that there were some, at least some ramifications to Survivor Series. You know, if you watched NXT this week, last night, uh, you saw they were, a lot of the people were wearing T-shirts. You know, I think Beth Phoenix was wearing one. I saw Zia Lee wearing one on Twitter. I don't know if she wore it to the ring or not. I don't remember. 
But I think she might have worn it to the ring. I don't remember. But it was the NXT, it was Survivor Series, and it had the score on it. Kind of just a braggadocious t-shirt about how NXT mopped the floor with Raw and SmackDown. Um, I thought that was good. The fact that Seth Rollins, like the motivation for Seth Rollins to kind of turn heel is what happened at Survivor Series. I thought that was good. You know, coming off of Survivor Series last year, SmackDown lost like every single match. And we got to SmackDown and nobody cared. Nobody said anything about it. No, I mean, I guess they did. I, Shane McMahon did a thing, if I remember correctly, but it really wasn't, it didn't lead to anything huge, I don't think. Um, you know, I kind of like, so the AOP Seth Rollins thing is interesting because they're going to have to do it differently. You know, granted, J&J security, Jamie Noble, and Joey Mercury, very different from the AOP. The AOP are these big, monstrous men, and those guys are kind of playing the characters of corporate weasels. So clearly very different. But still, I think that they do have to walk a fine line if you're going to do stuff with the AOP alongside Seth Rollins um, of making it different from what it was before. I think it's genius, and it's a real subtle thing, and I don't know how many people picked up on it, but I noticed that when the Authors of Pain came to the ring on Monday Night Raw to mop the floor, to destroy, dismantle, and embarrass Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, who, by the way, will never and should never get that title shot that they were supposed to get last week. But when they came out to humiliate uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder successfully, they were not wearing their Kevlar vest that they wore before they started doing this current story. They were not wearing, I mean, you know, they kind of had the padding on their legs, but they didn't have the tank tops on. You know what I mean? They weren't wearing the Kevlar vests. And I thought that was really smart because the Kevlar vests are very reminiscent of the Shield. Even when they wore them in NXT, I was like, okay, this is like the NXT version of the Shield. Like it was very reminiscent of the Shield. The fact that they joined Seth Rollins in that same night, I feel like... That decision was made purposely where they were like, well, if they're going to, these two are going to join Seth Rollins. We don't want them wearing Kevlar because we don't want people thinking this is the Shield 2.0. We want people thinking this is something different. And I don't think, I think people are making comparisons to the Shield just because it's hypothetically three guys. But other than that, I don't think people are making that comparison. So I think it was successful. And I'm a fan of factions. I think factions are, are very underutilized in this era. And I think when they're good, they're great. You know, look at the Shield. Look at Undisputed Era. You know, I, I think that I, I, that's why I'm advocating to do some kind of Baron Corbin royal family faction. I think bad guys, specifically bad guy factions, are really, really good. Historically, you get stars out of them. You know, look at the Nation of Domination. I don't know if you want to dive deep into the Disciples of Apocalypse and Los Boricuas, but... You know, you talk about the Nation of Domination. You talk about the NWO. You talk about DX. You talk about the Freebirds. You talk about the Horsemen. You talk about, you know, everybody. The Varsity Club, for God's sakes. There's merit to all of these. And, and even when you're doing, like, the Heenan family, it just made guys that maybe didn't have that kind of buzz about them, all of a sudden people are talking about them because, oh, we better pay attention to this guy. He's part of the Heenan family. I think 
the brood even. The brood, while the leader, Gangrel, didn't flush out, the brood brought all the eyes to Edge and Christian. So I, I and the Ministry of Darkness, the corporation. I think factions are great. I think factions are really, really good and completely underutilized right now. Um, and hopefully we're going to see more. You know, also, when you have factions and you have somebody who's not in one, for instance, you know, yesterday on NXT, Finn Balor knocking out, like with Tommaso Ciampa laid out and taking the victory over him, still laying out Adam Cole, the fact that you have that faction where if Finn Balor wanted to, he could uh, easily, easily join the Undisputed Era and have four guys watching his back. But he doesn't want to. It makes even even bigger statement about being a lone wolf if there are factions that you could potentially join. To be alone, regardless of that, I think is an even bigger statement than otherwise. And now you got Raw, where hypothetically you've got the OC and you've got the Seth Rollins, Authors of Pain factions, both going on. I think that there's room for lots of room for both of them and more. I think they're great. I mean, there's so many guys on the roster now anyway. It can only help. You're not going to do a Gallows and Anderson match on every episode of Raw. But you could do something with the OC on every episode of Raw. You could have AJ Styles wrestling. Gallows and Anderson are on the outside. You could have Anderson wrestling. Styles and Gallows are on the outside. You know, it, it, it gives TV time to everybody. There's just so many benefits to it. Uh, I, I think it's great. Um, but yeah, so I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty decent raw, you know, we've been on a string of raws where I don't think enough has been happening on those shows. And with this one, a lot was happening. So, uh, I thought it was really good. Um, speaking of really good, when you talk about the whole NXT invasion angle, first of all, I think the whole NXT invasion angle was a success. We'll know more, I guess, when we find out what the ratings for NXT were this week. I thought NXT uh, was a better show this week than AEW, although I didn't see AEW's whole show. Like I said, that's why we don't talk about it too much on this podcast because, you know, I end up watching so much WWE stuff that I don't want to give a half-assed review of a show that I haven't really watched. So I don't think that's fair to anybody involved. But the fact that Andy Williams from Every Time I Die and Virgil are on that show makes me think that the old-school Sam Roberts show that I used to do on SiriusXM is the feeder system to that promotion. But I digress. Um, we'll know more as to whether or not the invasion angle was successful for NXT and the Survivor Series wins were successful for NXT. There's no doubt in my mind that the reason NXT won so by 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 such a large margin, tell them large margin, Sencha, that the reason NXT won by such a large margin at Survivor Series was because they're the lowest watched show. And I think WWE just wants to uh, increase the visibility and the cachet of that brand, right? And so they make them look like a million bucks, the same way they've been making them look like a million bucks throughout this invasion angle. So last week, we had really great ratings for NXT, but that was also an episode that had the invasion stuff going on, Viking Raiders, Revival, Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins, you know, it was a huge show. This week, it only had the NXT guys on it, but... The NXT guys are all bigger stars this week than they were last week because War Games and Survivor Series, and more specifically Survivor Series. And 
you know, I was thinking about, and I talked about it a little bit at the top of the show on Monday, but I was thinking about who really benefits from from the invasion and and the month lead up to Survivor Series and really Survivor Series weekend. I think when you talk about who benefited the most throughout the entire month, probably Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole probably comes out looking like the biggest star. But when you look at who benefited the most in just the weekend, the War Game Survivor Series weekend, and who moved the most, you know, I think Adam Cole might have benefited the most, but he was starting in a position that was already really, really good. In terms of who moved the most from starting to finish point, this weekend was, for all intents and purposes, the birth of the next level of Keith Lee. I mean, Keith Lee comes out of this whole thing looking like a hundred million dollars. I've talked on this podcast before. I had a conversation with Adam Cole about it, about how cool it was to have multiple main eventers in NXT. Right When Finn Balor first showed up and you're looking and Tommaso Ciampa is demanding a title shot, but Finn Balor clearly can go straight to the main event. But Johnny Gargano is always ready for the main event. Adam Cole's the champion. So right there, you got four main eventers good to go. At any point, you could boost Velveteen Dream up there if you wanted to, but he's in the North American title picture. After this weekend, you can add Keith Lee to that. I mean, I, I think that you know, granted, you're still in this position where both Finn Balor and Tommaso Ciampa want title matches with Adam Cole. But your next takeover they announced is February. I think February, I wrote it down. Uh, February 16th in Portland. It's going to be a standalone event. It's not going to be Royal Rumble weekend. They're not doing a takeover Royal Rumble weekend. Um. They're doing one as a standalone. And I think there is a real argument there that Keith Lee may be the guy who is in the main event match with Adam Cole on that show. And I was just looking at the Discord room for all that all the Patreon members are in. And uh, uh, WWE Front Row, who is a huge advocate for women's wrestling, which I love, uh, says, in his opinion, Rhea Ripley was an even bigger win for Survivor Series weekend. And I would kind of put her with Adam Cole. I think that Rhea Ripley was already on this path to be the top female good guy in NXT before the invasion stuff ever started. You know, I think the minute she was announced as a full-time NXT roster member, Rhea Ripley was, okay, she's she's going to be the one that challenges Shayna Baszler. I mean, back in January, when people were asking me, like, after you said what you said about Bianca Belair on the kickoff show, if Bianca Belair doesn't deserve a kickoff match with Shayna Baszler, who does? Rhea Ripley, at that point, the NXT UK Women's Champion, was already the person that I was going, she is the one to go one-on-one with Shayna Baszler as real competition. So... To me, she was already there. I think there's more eyes on her, but I don't think that her position has moved necessarily. 
I think that what she has done is cemented herself at the top of the NXT women's division. And with her help, there are more eyes on the entire NXT women's division. I think Keith Lee is a guy that you didn't, you certainly before Survivor Series, before War Games, you were not having conversations realistically about Keith Lee being in the main event of NXT. You might have had conversations about how you wanted to see that. You might have had conversations about how you could see that happening at some point, but you're not sitting there. If I had told you that the end of the Survivor Series men's match was Roman Reigns and Keith Lee shaking hands, a month ago, you wouldn't believe me. You'd go, I don't think so. You know, Keith Lee was just in a rivalry with Dominic Dijakovic, and it was just like these two guys have good matches together, so we're going to have them wrestle a whole bunch and show everybody. It, Keith Lee's always been popular, and he's always been, like, potentially great, but with all the stuff going on in that main event scene before Gargano's injured, with Finn Balor back, with Riddle, with Ciampa, you know what I mean? When you're, when you're making that chart of who is Adam Cole going to face next at a takeover— with his title on the line. You're going Ciampa, you're going Finn Balor, you're going Riddle, you're going Gargano whenever he comes back. And that's that's kind of the list, right? Now, you know, you could easily put Keith Lee at the very top and I don't think you could put him lower than second place. You know, I think at this point, it's almost like you, you got to say, I think it goes Ciampa and then Keith Lee and maybe in the other way, maybe in the other direction. And that's great because we finally have some blood now in NXT where not only do we have all these different potential opponents for Adam Cole, but you've now got a guy who's never been in the main event of a takeover. You know, we've seen Tommaso Ciampa main event many takeovers. It's all Johnny Wrestling was doing for 2018. Finn Balor created the main event of NXT TakeOver as a big deal. Keith Lee has never had that opportunity. We have never seen Keith Lee in that position. And he's going to get there, man. I mean, it was magic at Survivor Series. The moment at Survivor Series was so good that as much as there was excitement for the Shayna Baszler, Becky Lynch, uh, Bailey match... That match should not have gone on last. The men's elimination match should have absolutely gone on last. The men's elimination match was great. There were a couple of things that, you know, were were kind of like, oh, I wish they hadn't done that. I wish they hadn't eliminated Walter so quickly. You know, a couple of things like that. But ultimately, especially at the end, the story that you start telling, the fact that Seth Rollins gets eliminated first out of the last three guys, when you got Seth Rollins... Roman Reigns, and Keith Lee. You think it's going to be Ciampa, and it's Keith Lee. Right? Ciampa's in there, too. He gets eliminated. You're like, what the hell is going on now? And then Keith Lee pins Seth Rollins? Keith Lee pinned Seth Rollins at Survivor Series. And then he's in there with Roman Reigns, and... Roman Reigns beats him, and he should have, because Roman Reigns is the man. Nobody should ever beat him. But Roman Reigns beats him and people just love what they've seen. And there's a handshake between the two of them. And nobody's sitting there going like, oh, you know, Roman Reigns is just trying to put a little bit of shine on, on to Keith Lee. Everybody's going like, I reckon 
I recognize these two as equals. I'm ready to see a Roman Reigns versus Keith Lee match now. You know, I've listened to people who are going like, well, the rumor is, and again, it's one of these like links that you find on Facebook that you think is real gossip. I think somebody posted it in the Discord room. The rumor is that Keith Lee's going to be Vince's guy to take the title off Brock Lesnar. Let's let's all slow it down a sec, you know? I've heard a lot of people advocating that Keith Lee is going to win the Royal Rumble this year. Which, you know, I don't think it's that crazy. We'll, we'll definitely have NXT representation in the Royal Rumble this year. And I could see that happening, you know? I think that the Royal Rumble is going to get much more interesting than what the same way Survivor Series got much more interesting because now whoever wins the Royal Rumble is going to get to pick the Universal Champion, the WWE Champion, or the NXT Champion. You know, so it's like, are they going to have a match with, with The Fiend? Are they going to have the Brock Lesnar match? Or are they joining up with NXT? Like, you know, there are so many great possibilities for anybody that wins that match. I'm not ready to sit here and say Keith Lee will win the Royal Rumble, you know? I And I, I, I don't know that he should. If he did, I'd be thrilled. I wouldn't be mad. But I'd love to see him build a little bit more in NXT and get that TakeOver main event match because there is no TakeOver between now and the Royal Rumble. Next TakeOver is a month after the Royal Rumble. So, you know, and I think getting a title match with Adam Cole is great on NXT television, but it's not the same. Keith Lee is going to go to Raw or SmackDown at some point, and he is going to be a big star. I mean, think about the week. Not only does he bring the house down at War Games, not only is he one-on-one in the ring, the final two at Survivor Series, he was one person away from being the actual sole survivor at Survivor Series, and he was in there with Roman Reigns. He pinned Seth Rollins. And then you get to Wednesday, he has a tremendous tag title match, and he gets one of the greatest wrestling gifts of all time. Adam Cole running down that aisle and catching the shoulder block that sends him 19 feet in the air, careening into the first and second row at Full Sail University. Incredible. That gif is going to live forever. I already saw people saying, you know, me at the Thanksgiving table, me reaching for the mashed potatoes, me trying to get the stuffing before my brother. Me, You know what I mean? Like, people are already memeing it for Thanksgiving, and it just happened when they were doing that 20 minutes before. It's memeable forever. And it's one of those gifts that, like, you could show it to a non-wrestling fan, and they'd be like, that's not real. That's amazing looking. And Keith Lee did that. That powerhouse Keith Lee... And the abilities that he's got. He has just hit a home run with every single opportunity that he's gotten. And that, to me, is going to be the story of this weekend. This weekend was the rise of Keith Lee. This weekend was the world getting to know Keith Lee. Because the truth is, there are NXT fans that weren't that familiar with Keith Lee. Not everybody watched, not everybody watches independent wrestling, you know? Not everybody was so familiar with Keith Lee when he got to NXT. And before NXT was on USA, Keith Lee wasn't doing that much on NXT. And even when NXT was on USA, Keith Lee was really just wrestling Dominic Dijakovic. 
And then he ends up somehow on this War Games team and you go, okay, I guess Keith Lee is there. And Keith Lee goes, oh no, you're going to realize that Keith Lee is there. And he goes on and he gives the performance of a lifetime, man. You know, I, I think that he just, just totally crushed it. Just nailed it on all levels. And it's so cool to watch a star rise like that and to know that because of the way things work in NXT, we can have pretty good faith that that momentum is going to be built on. You know, I already felt the momentum being built upon based on what happened at Survivor Series this week on television. Thought it was great. Thought it was really, really good. So congratulations to Keith Lee and to Keith Lee fans because this is your all moment. This is it. It's happening. It's happening for Keith Lee. And I don't think there's any way you can you can deny what you saw, especially at Survivor Series. I just don't think there's any way you can deny what you saw. And you know what? He's a natural-born good guy. A guy that size, that's not normal. But he's a natural-born good guy. You look at his face, you believe him, but you also kind of want to hang with him. You don't look at him and go like, oh, I hope I don't ever have to fight that guy. You look at him going, I hope that guy has my back. You know, I hope that that's going to be my buddy that's going to be looking out for me. And that's a great asset. And Keith Lee's got it in droves. He's doing great, man. He is doing absolutely great. This was, to me, no doubt about it, this was his weekend. Um, speaking of the weekend uh, and, and, and the week that continued, some people were surprised. CM Punk was not on uh, uh, backstage, and he tweeted out the Dennis Stamp meme. I wasn't booked. Well, I wasn't booked, Terry. I, I got other plans. I'm not going to be there because I wasn't booked. If somebody just come up to CM Punk and ask him if you want to referee the main event, <laughs> I'd rather be in the main event than breathe. CM Punk not on backstage this week, but I, I think that was the plan from the beginning. You know, CM Punk is not a uh, host. Renee Young and Booker T are the hosts of backstage. They're the ones that theoretically are going to be there every week, and everybody else is kind of rotating. You know, I think CM Punk is more official than Samoa Joe, Page, or Christian in the sense that he's whatever he is, a contributor or whatever his deal is. Um, but I don't think it's anything anything more than that. I don't think it's anything suspicious. Uh, it was interesting this week that uh, they were, WWE was going out of their way to not make people feel like CM Punk was on his way back into a ring. Uh, there were rumors that Seth Rollins got in trouble backstage for bringing up CM Punk in his opening promo on Monday Night Raw. Of course, if you uh, followed along with the NXT media call, Triple H said on the media call that that he was, after TakeOver, that he was going out of his way, that no no conversations had been had. And, of course, everybody wants to see it. He knows everybody wants to see it, but no conversations were being had. And he said that when everybody wants to see something, they tend to say, so you're saying there's a chance. Um, but he said in the media call, and this is true, that he told me that that when I announced that uh, that the mystery, that Ciampa's mystery partner invitation, that the person was in town, was in Chicago, but I didn't know who they were or if they had accepted, 
that he told, he said, I told Sam Roberts, don't say Chicago because everybody will think it's CM Punk. And that's true. I said, Hunter, Scoops is going to go out there and let the world know that this dude's in Chicago that Ciampa, uh, that Ciampa invited. Triple H, he looked at me, he said, Sam. I said, yeah. He said, don't say Chicago. Just say he's here. I said, you got it. You got it, boss. You got it, Mr. H, as Pat McAfee calls him. That dope Pat McAfee. Um, but yeah, so they are going out of their way to uh, make it seem like uh, it's not an inevitability. And, I, you know, I think that they are hedging their bets with that. That, that I, In my opinion, I don't think that anything's official. It's just all hypothetical. And I think WWE and the people that run things at WWE are smart enough to know that is CM Punk probably going to do stuff with them? Yes. You know, I still stand by that firmly, that CM Punk is probably going to be doing stuff with WWE in the ring, wrestling. When I say doing stuff, I mean wrestling in matches in a ring, probably at WrestleMania. But I don't think that those commitments have been made. I don't think that that's official. I'll bet those conversations haven't even happened yet. And so... Instead of creating these rumors that it might happen, WWE is like, look, there's always the off chance that it won't happen. And we don't want to make people think that, that there's something going on here that there isn't. So, you know, I think it's smart on their part to, to not lead anybody on into thinking that this thing is happening because it's not happening until it's happening. That's just kind of the way it is. Um, I think that the best storylines going on in WWE right now are happening on Twitter. The best storyline on Twitter right now is the love story that's blossoming between Dana Brooke and Batista. It's actually making me not want to crap on Dana Brooke. And boy, did I. It's making me not want to bury Dana Brooke. You know, you shouldn't be burying the talent. Because I go, you know what? I don't need any trouble from Batista. He's the animal, for God's sake. Um, earlier this week, Batista tweets out that he's single again and kind of like, how the hell did this happen? You know, he just tweets out, I'm officially single. And I'm like, okay, Batista, getting back in there. Okay, Batista, setting up a little thirst trap for yourself. I see you. I see what you're doing. I respect the game. What I didn't expect was that he would start tweeting shirt, tweeting, not DMing, tweeting shirtless pictures to Dana Brooke. Now, Dana Brooke has been playing it cool the whole time. You know, when she responds, it's in a very friendly way and that she's looking forward to meeting up with him. But it's not overly flirty. Whereas Batista is just shameless about it. I really respect how shameless Batista is. I think that if if you are after a woman, if you want to date a woman, you know, I think that you have to be... Uh, uh, polite. I think that chivalry is not dead. I think that, that you have to be chivalrous. But I think you have to be shameless too. I think that most people don't realize that women really respect, for the most part, in my experiences, I've found that women respect guys that are shameless. When I was uh, pursuing my wife, Jess, I was shameless about it. I made it very clear what I was doing. It wasn't like, you know, that's how you... When you're not shameless you kind of get trapped in the friend zone sometimes. But when you're shameless, when you're like, oh no, I'm looking at you and I do not want to be friends. Women kind of go like, oh, like they, I find that they respect it unless they're not interested. 
In which case, you know, I'm not saying you know, be shameless, but also be considerate. You know, maybe take a walk if they're not interested. But uh, Dana Brooke's been responding, and it looks like, you know, she said she's happy that uh, WrestleMania's in Tampa because I guess Batista's in Tampa. But Batista's trying to get Dana Brooke to his gym now. Like, Batista's trying to get Dana Brooke to do a leg day at his gym. Batista wants to see Dana Brooke do some squats at his gym. Batista is a big fan of Dana Brooke's squats and the results that those squats have yielded. Good for Dana Brooke. Good for Dave Batista. I respect it. I'm here for it. And I want to be involved and be aware of every piece of their information, uh, of their relationship. I want them to keep me up to date. I would watch a Dana Brooke Batista reality show 10 times out of 10. I think it'd be great. You know? Who would have thought? Dave Batista has been eyeing up Dana Brooke this whole time. Good for her, huh? I mean, she's obviously super into fitness, he's super into fitness. And I guess that's his thing. I, I mean, he's he's a geeky guy too. But maybe he wants somebody he can lift with and then, you know, do whatever else it is that we need to do. I know where he can get some blue chews if he needs them. One of the things that, uh, one of the things that people have been buzzing about on the internet has been uh, what's going to happen tomorrow on SmackDown. Uh, a new member has been advertised for the Firefly Funhouse. And I don't know exactly where this rumor started, but uh, maybe it's, maybe I think Liv Morgan tweeted something that was kind of mysterious. And then there was like uh, advertisements being made that tomorrow or Friday on SmackDown, uh, now tomorrow, there would be uh, a third or, or a new member, a new face in the Firefly Funhouse. Tune into SmackDown to see a new face in the Firefly Funhouse. People took that along with Liv Morgan's tweet and started saying like, oh, maybe it's Liv Morgan in the Firefly Funhouse. Then there was a, a rumor going around based on a tweet that went out that was even more heavy, a tweet that went from a Twitter account that was reportedly a WWE seamstress. And she sent out a tweet that was a video of her sketching gear for a female member of the Firefly Funhouse, a female companion to Bray Wyatt. And people were like, oh my God, there it is. And I was looking at that going like, what seamstress is getting fired? Why would you tweet this out like this? Only to realize that the Twitter account, even though it had a verified check, was a fake Twitter account. It was not a real Twitter account. It was not the seamstress's Twitter account by any stretch of the imagination. It was a fake Twitter account. So the sketch was fake. The whole thing was fake. Right now, that doesn't mean that the Liv Morgan rumor isn't true. It just means that that piece of evidence is not real evidence. Um, I can only tell you what I hope because obviously I have no idea. Uh, I don't want another human member. I want another puppet. I don't need for there to be another human member of the Firefly Funhouse. When you have a guy like the Fiend, who's basically indestructible, nobody can beat him. Nobody can keep him down. What does he need another person by his side for? I don't think The Fiend ever needs to have anybody with him. The point of The Fiend is that he has no loyalties. You know, I think that Bray Wyatt should just exist in that Firefly Funhouse 
if you want to add another person to it, make it in puppet form. When you added the the boss puppet, the Vince McMahon puppet, everybody lost their minds. When you add, you know, people love the Sister Abigail doll. People love the Vulture doll. People, they get so upset every time the uh, Ramblin' Rabbit dies. People love the puppets. You can add as many puppets as you want. Keep adding puppets. But I don't think you should add people. You know, the last thing you want to do is dilute this amazing story that we've been watching unfold. And as much as Bray Wyatt keeps winning with no sign of stopping in sight, it's still cool to see. And I still get excited when he's on TV and I still want to watch his next match. So, you know, that's what I would say. That's 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 my gut. Although I'm ready to see whatever gets announced and to see if it's cool. You know, I'm ready for it to be cool because other than the finish for Hell in a Cell, everything has been good to me with, uh, with the Fiend character. Other than the Hell in a Cell finish. Um... And while we're talking about cool stuff, too, make sure that you tune on that WWE Network because that Undertaker-Stone Cold interview is something, man. You just never see the Undertaker like that. And just to see him talk about his stuff, to see him talk about how he was nervous about his debut, to see him talk about uh, coming out as the American badass, to see him talk everything, everything. It's just his relationship with Vince McMahon, to see him, you know, all, all this stuff. It's really great. See Stone Cold light up when they talk about Buzz Sawyer. You know, I just thought I just thought it was so much fun to watch. Um, I do before we get to emails, I do want to uh, send a shout out uh, to the family. We uh, we lost uh, a very important listener to the show. Uh, this I guess we lost in this month. We just found out this week that he had passed away. Mark in San Diego, who has been a loyal listener of mine for years on the radio, came over to the podcast was a big part of the uh, of the uh, Discord room that we have for everybody who's a member of the Patreon page, uh, which is a big part of the Not Sam Wrestling community. Um, and he passed away, uh, unfortunately, which is a real bummer. And I know that a lot of you guys that are listening knew him and, you know, are just as bummed out as the rest of us are. Uh, he's just... A straight-up dude, a loyal dude, one of the most supportive people, as far as listeners go, that I've ever had around me. But at the same time, if he didn't like what I was doing, he would just say it flat out. And that's a quality that you don't see too often. And, you know, and it was in him, and he's just, he was a good guy. When this news came out, everybody that knew him, and I had no idea, man, the community that he had built with listeners, both on the radio show and for this podcast. So many people, he was talking to them on the phone on a regular basis. He would just, you know, get to know people online, exchange phone numbers with them and call them and have, you know, conversations with them and everything. And, you know, he, he, he touched a lot of lives. So rest in peace to Mark in San Diego. Just a, uh, a great, great dude and really a bummer uh, that he's left us and way way too soon. Uh, let's get into some of these uh, emails before we wrap things up. Uh, from the Patreon page, which you can be a part of at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, for only less than a dollar a week, four bucks a month, you can get the podcast early, you can get them ad-free, uh, and you can get access to the Discord room and bonus shows and the whole thing. It's, uh, it's a good deal. 
Joey says, Sam, how do you think we'll remember November 2019 when it's all said and done? It might be the start of a new era, and I'm excited that AEW lit a fire under WWE because Survivor Series was awesome, and I think we can expect more of that. You know, I think that, as I said before, I think that it will have Keith Lee's stamps all over it, but I think I think that we will... This, this will be the launch of NXT, I think. I think more than NXT coming to USA, I think that the energy that we feel about NXT based on what we've seen in November will kind of be attributed to NXT debuting on USA. But I think that this, at the end of the day, historically speaking, November 2019 will be the month that made NXT. I think so, you know. And like I said, it, it impacted Raw a lot too, and I'm sure a lot will happen on SmackDown, but in terms of what was the biggest change, that's what I think. Uh, Mitch emailed in. If you want to email, if you're not a member of the Patreon page, that's fine. You can still contribute to our uh, questions and whatnot. You want to email us, it's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Just like that YouTube page, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. Uh, wrestling at gmail.com. This is sent by Mitch. I'm a fan of Bray. Love the new gimmick, but it has me thinking that uh, when the time comes for Wyatt to finally lose, he is going to get screwed over worse than any wrestler in history, or his opponent will have to build an Iron Man suit. I feel they have made him seem so invincible that any clean loss will kill his character and be very unrealistic. How do you feel about that? P.S. You're killing it on the pre-shows. You're... The heat you're getting reminds me of the 90s Bobby the Brain heated on commentary, but with an edge. It's awesome. Keep it up. I don't want to uh, put it up on a pedestal like that, but I appreciate the compliment. You know, Bobby the Brain Heenan is the goat. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't think there's any reason to be cynical about the Bray Wyatt uh, character until there's a reason to be cynical about the Bray Wyatt character. I think it's just, I think it's just, you know, right now he's going to plow through everybody, but eventually there will be somebody that can somehow figure out a way to get a victory over The Fiend. And I talked about the horror movie analogy last week on the show that The Fiend is a horror movie monster. You know, horror movie monsters spend 90 minutes of a horror movie destroying everybody. Then somehow some girl finds some way to kill that monster. But guess what? They're ready to make a sequel and when they make the sequel, we're ready for that monster to come back and spend another hour and a half killing everybody. So if The Fiend follows the rules of horror movie monsters, eventually he'll be able to take a loss and come back, maybe not just as strong, but still strong. There's some good horror movie sequels. You're probably thinking, yeah, he'll come back as Jason X, Jason in Space. No, we're not going to go straight to 10. Uh... Drew checked in. Uh, uh, he doesn't have a question or anything, but he's a youth pastor in, in Kansas, and uh, I helped bring him uh, in closer uh, uh, on the same wavelength as the kids. So I appreciate that, Drew. It's always great to hear stuff like that. Uh, James sent an email to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Hey, Sam, have you heard this theory about the Fiend causing a change in his opponents when he defeats them? Finn Balor and Seth Rollins both turned heel, and Daniel Bryan seems to be turning face again. Kind of makes sense with the heel hurt gloves, too. Do you think there's something to that or just a coincidence? Um, I think it probably just a coincidence with uh, Finn 
and with Seth, uh, because Seth's change was actually a month after he lost to the Fiend. Like those scenes weren't those seeds weren't being planted until you know Survivor Series, really the night after Survivor Series. So that too much time had passed for me. And Daniel Bryan was already kind of turning face before he faced the Fiend, and. Jerry Lawler is the same, and he got attacked. So, you know, I think that that's a really interesting concept, and I kind of enjoy that as a concept, but I do think it's just a coincidence, and a lot of that is because that would be a very, very difficult theme to maintain. Hey, I appreciate you guys being a part of the podcast this week. Don't forget to please subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash wrestling. You can also send any questions, comments, concerns to notsamwrestling at gmail.com, and we will read uh, more emails on Monday when we are back. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.